Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. What's up, Fungal Associates? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. I am one of your hosts. My name is Alex Croson. And you're sitting next to Casey Clapp. <laughs> yeah. I'm Casey Clapp, another host. We're back, Alex. Casey, we're back. I was flipping through a few different resources here. Ah. And that is why, because one, I was looking at it and I was like, this is not what I thought it was. And it's because I was on the wrong tab. Oh, Casey. Which is why I was looking down when you started the everything. I uh, see. Right. Hi. Hi. Casey, when you say we're back, you not only mean we're back with a new episode of Complete Arbitrary. Yes. We're also back from vacation. From physically being away That's right. from our desks, so yes. to speak. Yes. I mean, you were you were definitely away from your desk. I was I was still a, a, a handful of time still at my desk. Yeah, I guess that's fair. But you were you were not at your your you were at a different desk metaphorically. Yes, speaking, metaphorically, perhaps. I was at a completely different desk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was that's at fair. music desk. Yes, I was sitting in a vehicle on a bike or walking. Yes, slept in a tent for a while. That's right. You went up to Vancouver Island. I did. Went to Vancouver Island. Saw a lot of cool trees. Swam in some lakes. Uh, didn't go in the ocean, but then walked slightly in the ocean. Doesn't quite count. Tell me this. Yeah. You get to choose one, okay? Oh, okay. River, lake, or ocean? Oh, can I ask a follow-up? You may. What? Uh, how, how big is this river? River is like Sandy River size. I'll take river. All right. Yeah, every day, every day of the week. Me too. Yeah, I think they're the greatest. I was going to ask. Okay, see, I I'm, like, a, I'm a river man. I like that they're moving through. They're they're exactly. Going. Yeah, yeah. That's I think some fresh water. It's super fresh. And if you are, uh, if you want to find a a spot, a thing, a river, most of them, the sandy river size will have. A little spot for everything. There's one that has little rapids you can walk across. Right. There's big ones that you can jump in. There's ones that are like slow and cool and calm with yeah. like a little beach on it. There's everything you need. That's right. Whereas a lake, it's all the same, kind of for the most part. And yeah. You know, don't don't at me, people. <laughs> I get it. I do feel like there's less variability in a lake. Yeah, I think that's a fair. Also, I think a fair thing. lakes have fish that have been there for centuries, and they shit indiscriminately. <laughs> And they die indiscriminately, and they rot in that water. That's okay. It's an ecosystem, though, right? Don't you think? I am not. I, yes, of course. It's a beautiful thing. Right. I just don't want to put my body in it. Ah, uh, okay. That's fair. But a river, I put my body in, and I'm like, I feel like I'm getting clean. I know that's not really the case. It's because it's, uh, it's moving through, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a certain sort of, you know, uh, it's, there's something to a, 
a thing moving past you. Taking yes. a bath versus a shower. Exactly, you know? Casey. Yeah. That's a great insight. Lakes or baths, which can be good. Yeah. Rivers or showers. Yes. Ocean is car wash. <laughs> You just never want to be in a car wash? No. Oh, man, I love the ocean, though. Oceans are fantastic. Oceans are beautiful, and I love all the ocean animals. I just, they, they do frighten me a bit. Yeah, okay, that is fair. They are very powerful. Yes. Yeah. I like the ocean. I didn't, I didn't go this time because I didn't know when my next shower would be. Oh. And oftentimes, if I go in the ocean for too long, then I come out, and then I have like a, a salt uh, like layer on me. Yeah, and then it it like is very uncomfortable to wear clothes afterwards. I have to like usually take a shower. Also, I would think not great for your skin. I I don't know if it is or not. I feel like it would be actually. You really? Get my, maybe maybe dry out your skin. I, I think. don't know. I, I guess I guess moisture. you know like what if you take a bubble bath or something with like salts in it. Yeah, I think that's kind of how I feel about it. It's ah. not salt in the same sense where you're like um like you're dehydrating your skin. Mm. You know, I don't know. But I enjoy the ocean immensely. More of like a, more of like a, uh, what's that called? Exfoliant. Yeah, 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 yeah. Something that's good. That's like rehydrating your skin. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know what I'd really love to do I someday? I'd love to go to the Dead Sea. Oh yeah, and just and like float, float on around. It? Yeah, yeah, that would be sweet. I'm already naturally kind of buoyant, <laughs> so I would love to. Uh, I would love to just see what happens. Maybe I'd sink. Yeah. Well. I don't think so. I think you. I think everything floats there. Like it's kind of, it's kind of, it's thing. You know what Pennywise says? What we all float down here. He was oh, from the Black Sea. Yes. Wait, Pennywise, the 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 guy from uh, yeah, the, the, the sewers. Yeah, I uh-huh. see. Okay, yeah, he's from the Black Sea. Are you serious? <laughs> yes, I'm serious. He's serious, folks. I didn't know this. <laughs> hey, Alex, have you ever been to the Great Salt Lake? That was such a stretch. Uh, yeah, I think I've seen the Great Salt Lake. You know, you could also float in that too. Um, Casey. Isn't there like no water there? Oh yeah, it's very slowly, uh, well actually kind of somewhat rapidly uh, drying up. Okay. Um, another thing to add to the clock on climate change. So <sighs> you know, figure that out. But um, no, there's like there's there's plenty of water. Uh, okay, there. I think the part that I saw was just like a salt lake bed. Oh yeah, yeah, like it, a crack that cool crack yeah, thing. It is, and and if you walk like you have to walk like several hundred yards out into it before it starts oh, getting like deep enough. Okay. And yeah, I, I have to actually say, I'm going to shoot myself in the foot here. There's no possible way I'm getting you anywhere close to the Great Salt Lake. Why? Because there are, um, there's, it's like briny in there uh-huh. because it's so salty. And there are these flies that live along the edge. Oh. And I think even somewhat on the water, the further you go out, the fewer there are. Um, but yeah, they, they live on the edge of the water and they are a, 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 like a plague, Alex. Wow. You, like in, in terms of the volume of them? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least Oof. where I was the last time I was there, like you walk oh. up and it's just like, they kind of are like a, uh, a, a sheet that kind of oh, no. unfolds in front of you as you're like walking through because they're like, oh, I don't want to get close to this. That's terrifying. Yeah. I, I set down my, I think my shoes or my shirt or something like that. And this is years and years ago and just set it on the beach went in and i was like i gotta float in this water this is pretty cool and then came out and i was like where are my clothes at and then um as i kind of walked around all of a sudden this this sheet of flies left and i was like oh there they are cool and then just kept walking wow so i don't think i could get you past the uh the vanguard no of of insects i bring me some binoculars i'll watch you have fun in the lake but then you can't float in it alex that's yeah. the whole point. Maybe I maybe I would just maybe I yeah maybe uh, yeah you're right I would not do that. <laughs> okay, Casey, whatever. let's talk about a tree, eh? Hey, let's do it. 
Alex? And I, and I say A at the end of that sentence, kind of coincidentally. Coincidentally, yeah. Today we're talking about the service, Barry. We are. This well, is a good one. And let's be more specific. We're talking about the Canadian service, Barry. Yes, we are. Now, this is this is kind of a fun little tree. It's It's another one where I think... You can call it a tree, but then other people would be like, mm, that's a bit of a stretch. Oh, sure. It it doesn't grow very tall. Often it has multiple stems. Mm-hmm. It is an understory thing. It like sits in hedges. It has a lot akin to, say, the uh the hazelnut or the filbert, or say the uh a, a hawthorn or something like that. Okay. Where it creates like these little cops, these little like clonal hedge groups oh, of cool. just like clumps of things you know all right well so, let's imagine that you and i as we do every episode please Casey, yes how about we're walking hmm how about we're we're uh you and i are sitting in a barrel going down niagara falls <laughs> okay and we get closer to the to the falls and i say casey what's that over there and there's I, you look and there's some service berry trees i almost said service berry bushes wow holy shit it's all right you can say that if they're young right i'm gonna get in trouble with the bush people people don't like us saying bush no no no, they don't yeah there's a lot of them out there yeah shrubs shrubs uh but these are trees gosh and uh we see some service berry trees casey right before our imminent doom let's id this tree all right i'm gonna have to talk quick in this situation but i'm gonna slow down i'm gonna go to halftime right uh so that everyone can hear but essentially alex let's slow the river for a second. Oh, I like this. Let's look gently out to the shoreline. And if we are in, let's say, springtime, uh-huh. the flow is heavy with the snowmelt. <laughs> oh, the flow is heavy. God, Very what a, cold. <laughs> what a visceral statement. Yes, it is. We are looking at Amelanchia canadensis. Amel- One more time. Amelanchia canadensis. Amelanchia canadensis. Yes. Now, I've heard canadensis before. Yes. Uh, what is that? That is of Canada. So anytime oh. there's an insis at the end of something, it means that it's from the place that it is now the suffix of. I see. So like, uh, I think, or like you could say organensis, or um, uh, I've heard a lot of chinensis, where it just mm. kind of works because, you know, chinin, and then they just add the sis on it, and it, it works really well. You don't have to like really change the spelling of the word or anything. It ends properly with an N. Okay. Now what about... Uh, talus, like oxidant talus. Uh, oxidant talus means it, it's kind of the same thing, but uh, like Canada is not a Latin term, uh-huh. so lat or Latinizing oh. it makes it canadensis. I it see. is of Canada, uh, whereas. Occidentalis is already a Latin term for Western. Okay. So when they say Occidentalis, they the Western this, the Western that. I see. Um, so it is. It's the same thing, but you already have a Latin term that is describing something rather than Latinizing a term, saying it's of this specific space, not just from over that way, which is the West. Got it. It's of this specific spot. Got it. So this is Amelanchier, and Amelanchier is actually, I think, a French term. They, it's a French provincial term for uh, for this plant. Oh. So, uh, my assumption is when they first came over, they said, nah, Amelanchier, and that's, well, that's what they called it. Okay. Can so, you say that in a French accent? Uh, Amelanchier. Amelanchier? Yeah, I, th- I don't think, yeah, Amelanchier, I think would be it. You have to do the at the end of the Oh, year. yeah, like they're yeah. choking on their arms. Yeah, exactly, Amelanchier. 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 
Emelink, yeah. Emelink, you're Canadensis. They called it Canada even back then. Yeah, they sure did. Yeah, yeah, good for them. <laughs> you know what? I don't know where Canada came from, Alex. Oh, that's a good that's a good etymology yeah. uh, research. Someone at me for that, though. Yeah. I want to know. I want to know. I want to know, too. So the, uh, the fun thing is, so we call this the service berry. Yes. We call this the service berry. Other people call it the uh, the the shad blow service berry, the shad bush, the June bush, the June berry. Wow! If you're in Western Canada, they call it the Saskatoon. A tree of many names. Huh? I love all the names of all <laughs> the service berries. I just I don't know why, but it makes me so happy that there's so many like weird names. Shadwood, Shadblow, Serviceberry, Sarvisberry, Juneberry, Sarvice, Sugar Plum, Wild Plum, Chuckle Pear. The Chuckle Pear? Yeah, Chuckle Pear. That's like uh <laughs> Oh man, Chuckle Pear. What a great hey, that's some good folk taxonomy. Oh, it totally is, yeah. And Chuckle I, Pear. And I just don't know why we, we have so many weird names for it. Like usually one name sticks and yeah. they just call it that. Right. But this apparently like several different names, you know, they just kinda of went for it. At most in the tree world, I think I've I've only encountered trees with maybe three or four names or two or three. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. Like, but it's not... You just listed, like, 12. There's that's, too many. There's just way too many. But they all kind of mean something. We'll talk about that a little later. But first, right. I want to tell you what you're looking at Yes, here. yes. So the first thing you see, of course, we're talking about it in springtime. This is a family uh, member of the roses. Ah. So it has the classic rose, uh, five petals, five different parts, five sepals, five petals, um, or at least in multiples of five. Rosaceae. Um, yes, that's right, rosaceae. And the petals are kind of interesting where um, they are really, really long. So usually you you would think of seeing a, um, a flower where everything kind of comes together, you know, and it's all like one cohesive unit. If you draw a circle around it, the circle kind of is full of the flower. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of space that's not flower in that okay. circle. If you do that around the edges of a service berry, then you end up getting like huge swaths in between these long skinny petals that are just not to the flower. They're just space. So the petals are really long and lanceolate skinny petals that go out and look kind of like paddles from a canoe or something like that. Interesting. So they they come out and they look really like feathery. Like they just kind of pop. And then the flower um, inside, the little sepals and the little things, are all it's all way smaller. So it's a very small flower except for these gargantuan, huge, showy petals that come out. But the flowers themselves are still small. So I think these get up to maybe 25 um, millimeters long. Like they're not, they're still not huge. Everything about the whole plant is very small. But if you zoom in, uh, the petals are out of proportion. The flowers look a little in- insectoid. Ooh, yeah, like they look like they are like walking around like yeah. there's legs or something. Like little water spiders. Yeah, you know? totally. It's just an insect that lost one leg, but it's yeah. still kicking. It's doing fine. That's right. Well, so they that's the first thing we'll see in spring is just this it's like a little cloud of of white flowers. It's Every beautiful. now and then there's like a little bit of pink in the flower, maybe a little yellow streak, a little mm. red, but for the most part they are just straight white. The flowers come out from the new growth, and they're usually terminal, so they're at the very end of the twigs. And then that makes it so everything's very full, and you don't have a lot of like green space. The leaves usually don't come out before the flowers. Mm. They are very early in the spring, and that's what makes them like kind of this unique flower. Well, 
No, I take that back. It's not unique. There are plenty of things that bloom really early in the spring, but each one of those things in and of themselves pop because everything else is like still dormant or isn't flowering so extremely. So these little guys um, will grow over in the eastern United States. Of course, we said it is canadensis. Surprisingly, most things that have canadensis at the end of them mm-hmm. don't just grow in Canada. Yeah, what's with that? Yeah, they. Uh, my assumption is that the first people who came over and found them um, were like, oh, we're in Canada. This is the service berry in Canada. We're going to call it the Canada service berry. Uh, Amelanchier canadensis. They just didn't know at the time that it grows all up and down that yeah, coast. Yeah, most likely. Or if they saw it, they're like, yeah, I see a lot of these here. They were the first ones to name it. and That's where they happened to be. Oh. So even if they knew or didn't know it was growing down there, they would say, it is here. I will name it of here. I you know? see. So, oh, and the way that you name you name a tree after somebody else, like they named it after the place they found it yeah, first. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. But like uh, the eastern hemlock is the same thing where it's Suga canadensis, but it grows all the way down to like the mountains of North Carolina and South Carolina, like yeah. way, way further south. Okay. So um, Canada shares a lot with the northern United States in terms of floristic patterns. Interesting. So that's the first thing you're going to see. What a great term, Case. Floristic patterns. Floristic patterns. Yeah, it's like wallpaper. You that's know? that's like a great uh, Yankee candle flavor. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> so um, you're going to see those first. The flowers always always come out right at the very, um, right at the very beginning of spring. And then the leaves follow soon after. And I love the leaves of service berry hmm. because they're alternate. They're simple. But they're very, um, like, obovate or ovate. So they just look like perfect, perfect little ovals. Yeah. And I think they're just so cute because of that. They got this tiny little point, serrated margins, and um, very obvious veins. But the veins aren't, like, the big thing that, like, really jump out at you. Um, They are very sweet. They're just, like, the cutest little things. Like, they look like children's leaves. That's, I think, why I like them. They look like a, like a, like an... A very simple like drawing of a leaf. Yeah, that's a great. That's it's a like perfect an, description. An yeah. Illustration. I bet. I bet they would look very cute, like uh, illustrated in sort mm, of a, a yeah. youthful way. I think you're right. I think you're 100 percent right. And they have like little brown twigs. But the thing that also I think really stands out for me because, as you know, I'm a guy who likes bark. And the bark of a service berry is, for me, a very telltale sign of how to identify them because wow. generally the bark of a tree can either be utility bark, where it doesn't really have much going on. Sure. Or it can be bark that has, like, kind of some unique characteristic to it. Mm. So the leaves, they're all alternate. They are these cute little pads of leaves that are coming out. That's your first sign. Then you look at the bark, and their bark always has, like, these striations going up. So they're not really, like, something that jumps out at you. But if you look at it, you can see, like, these alternating striations of light and dark bark. And this is, of course, just where maybe there's old bark that didn't grow quite as fast or um, the these patterns just develop as the, the, the whole plant is uh, growing outwards and slowly cr- increasing its diameter. Same as any bark, but it doesn't create like big, deep furrows. They always stay really, really shallow. Mm. shallow. Because of that, um, you just get this really nice pattern that kind of looks like it's undulating, but it's not really undulating. It just looks like it because the colors change a little bit. Kind of an optical illusion thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like one of those things like uh, 
when you stand and look at it, it looks like one picture. And then uh-huh. if you kind of tilt your head to look at it in a different way, uh, it yeah. kind of looks like something else. That's, I think that's perfectly reasonable. What yeah, that's called? a good description. Uh, those are called optical illusions. They have one at the new Mario Land in Japan. There's a Mario Land in go, Japan? Do you want to go to, to this this Nintendo <laughs> Land with me? Yes. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Oh, my God. It looks so fucking cool. I hope that they give you like... Um, uh, like some some jump thing, like a, a, a um, like a bungee cord oh, that yeah. attaches to you, so you can run. <laughs> and then whenever you like jump, you like jump sixteen times your height. That onto would this be great. Thing. That'd be sweet. There is a Mario Kart ride that's uh, <laughs> AR, so you what? put on these these goggles that that you know project things in yeah. your vision, and it looks like you're. Like you're riding. Oh Mario my Kart. god! That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, it looks beautiful. It looks seriously gorgeous. They did a really good job. Okay, yeah, um, we definitely need to go there. I want to say something about this bark okay. in that it it has that thing. Or really, really early on, I can't remember what tree we covered, but I noted that the bark kind of looks like stretch marks. Ooh, yes, yeah, yeah, in yeah. Skin. I this. this this is so. This picture in particular, and I'll post it. Well, I might post it if it's if it's royalty free. <laughs> um, looks so much like stretch marks. Yeah, it, I think that's a perfect example. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, is that sort of what is happening with that bark? I yeah, mean, I mean, if you think about it, yeah. the bark is um, you're you're always growing a new cylinder inside of an old cylinder, right. but the new cylinder is bigger by definition than the old cylinder that it's growing within. Yes. So the outer cylinder has to break or split open somewhere, right. usually multiple places. So if, you're, um, if your cork cambium, which is the, the cambium section that builds the bark that actually puts out the new cork layer that mm-hmm. is the protective bark layer, if that keeps up and produces bark at the same rate that the um, inner cambium is developing more xylem and phloem, then you have smooth bark, like a beech tree. If that bark layer does not keep up and does not grow bark near as quickly as the tree is expanding out, Mm -hmm. then you get really rough and furrowed bark, like, say, a Douglas fir or many of our different conifers and pine species. Okay. So, in this case, um, it's it's basically just keeping up. You know, if you say uh, a perfectly smooth bark tree where you can't tell any difference, that is a one-to-one. And one that is growing uh, like a Douglas fir, then that bark would be maybe a 0.5 to 1, where the inner thing is growing at a 1, but the bark is growing at a 0.5, so it just doesn't keep up. Okay. Essentially, one's growing twice as fast as the other. Yeah. In this case, I would say the ratio would be more like maybe 85 to 1 or 85, 0.85. Yeah, 85 to 100. How do how do percentages work again, Alex? <laughs> I like the the image of you saying all this to like the Dunkin' Donuts girl at the counter. <laughs> she's, just like, she's like, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Do you do you want a donut or not? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that. You crazy know, so tree now, guy. Yeah, now that we got all that uh, math sorted out, Alex. <laughs> well, essentially, yeah, it doesn't grow quite as much. Okay. Yeah. By so the it's way, it's not furrowed in the way that like a Douglas fir is furrowed. Yes, exactly. But it is like. It's almost it's almost it's pre-furrowed. It's pre-furrowed and it remains pre-furrowed the entire time. Right. Now I need to stop just real fast as a uh-huh. side note. Why did you choose Dunkin' Donuts? Um, you know what? There's like a meme online that's oh, like it's, okay. it's it's sir this is a Wendy's. Oh, okay. So which okay. is to say, if, if after after somebody um after somebody says like 
a big rant about something that's basically meaningless. Yeah. No offense. Uh, you, you, you respond, sir, this is a Wendy's. Sir, this is a Wendy's. Implying that, you know, this person is, it's this funny image of this person just like venting to a random stranger yeah, at a Wendy's. I see. Yeah, I got gotcha. um, So I, I had to pivot because I didn't want to use the meme. Oh, I see. Because it's okay. kind of tacky and gotcha. dumb. So I chose a Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, this makes sense. And you used to live in Massachusetts. Yes, I did. Um, and those were Lee's Grove. The birthplace of Dunkin' Donuts and the birthplace of uh, Service Bears. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it all comes full circle. I get it now. All right. <laughs> Casey, speaking of service berries, let's talk about these berries. Is this the only tree? And answer me straight, Senator. All right. Is this the only tree that grows a berry? Because in my experience, berries come from little plants. Oh, okay. Little, yeah. Like little, little, like, like strawberry bushes, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or strawberry plants. Yep. Which is an akeen, not a berry. Okay. Uh, <laughs> or. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or like a blackberry bush. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, yeah, those are, yeah, it's an aggregate of, of berries. Yes, yes, thank you. Okay. Uh, or blueberry bush, you know. I, yes. Uh, so these are shrubs. I think a blueberry might be, the, uh, might be the only one of those that is an official berry, but I need to check my math on that. There we so have it. See, I thought look. blueberry was a poem. Ah, yes, I don't think it is. So I'm, you know. But here's, the, it's funny that you say that, Alex. I guess I'm talking culinarily. Uh, berries culinarily. Yes. Um, is this the only ver- verified tree that grows uh, a berry? No. Okay. Because it grows a poem. Oh, Casey. I was, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Alex. <laughs> I was waiting for this the whole time as soon as you asked, and I was like, this is going to be a horrible, a horrible thing that I have to break to him. Yeah. It is a poem. Fair enough. It is a poem in the same uh, way that a um, a poem is a poem, which is an apple, of course, and a pear, and um, I think a couple of hawthorns are poems. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, the name of this tree is serviceberry. That actually is uh, initially comes from the Latin term oh, yeah. for another tree called the sorbus, which is also known as the rowan or the uh, white beam or the mountain ash. So... Service comes from sorbus, which is another tree in the rose family that also has poem-like fruit. Wow. So they saw that, and that's why they call it the service berry. Interesting. Yes. I have a different etymological background for this, but we'll talk about that later, maybe? Yeah, we are, because I want to hear about it. Yeah. I think it might be the one you're thinking of, the way you're you're cheekily- uh, Yes, yes, rubbing my fingers (laughs) together like this. Well, Casey, you you know what I mean- um, yes, and so this is a this is a berry that grows on a tree. Yes, yeah, yeah. Essentially, a culinarily, colloquially. Yeah. Uh, can you think of any others? Um, ooh, okay, yeah. I totally can. I mean, obviously, hawthorns are a great example where they grow these little things that should be eaten. Um, oh, okay. uh, the mulberry tree will grow, of course, mulberries mulberry. and things like that. Yes. Um, and then I'd have to like really sit here and think because I know everyone's like shouting into their their radio right now saying this tree and this tree and this tree. There there are plenty. The madrone makes uh, makes berries that are eaten by birds and things like that. Yeah, I guess I just I don't know. Well, I guess we don't usually call them the madrone berry tree or yeah, something like that. That's so true. Usually, miss if they're a tree, they usually have like a different name. Whereas if it's a tree that looks like something else, we call it the that berry or the that thing or something like that. Like Ma- even the strawberry tree, which is another species closely related to madrone. Maybe I'm getting hung up on it, but I I, I I'm using berry in the way that like you. 
something you would put in a crumble, you know, like oh yeah, 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 yeah. Madrone berry crumble isn't like a classic dish. Yeah, no, yeah, the, the um, flavor's a little bit different. <laughs> I th- I think I see what you're saying. All you're right. asking is is this one of the only trees that we would collect all these things and actively like culinarily eat them? Yeah, at, and it grows at a tree level. Yeah. Probably not. Okay. Yeah. That's a fine enough answer. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. What? A, what? Just, a, well, Alex, technically speaking, it's a dumb question. That was a it was a pointless detour. <laughs> but hey, if we don't, if we can't have a platform for pointless detours in this podcast, then what is what has this all been about? Yep, I agree. This need this is the platform for yeah. it. So yeah. So let's talk about the service berry, the service poem. All right, the service poem. Oh, it's so good, Alex. I've never actually had one because every time. Um, I usually get the opportunity. Um, I usually see them during springtime. That's when the the plant is really saying, hello, I'm a service berry. Right. Uh, During the uh, later spring or early summer, June of the June berry name, um, is when these berries actually come out or these poems really start to become delicious. A lot of the ones I've seen have been growing in the streets. They're actually planted more often now than I have ever seen as a street tree. Really? For better or worse, that's the case. And, uh, are they planted over here? They are, yeah, here in Portland. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of them. In fact, I, um, well, I can't think of exactly a spot right now, uh, but I have seen them multiple times because they're small trees. These, these don't grow more than maybe 30 or 40, 50 feet. Um, and that would be like an incredible and an amazingly old, successful specimen. Right. Most of the time, they're not going to get more than 25 or 30 feet any, any place anywhere. I see. So they are, they're generally great for like little planting spots that are underneath power lines or something like that. Okay. So you can just expect they're not going to get massive and they're not going to take over and they're not going to break up the sidewalk, get into the power lines, these kinds of things. Outside their native range, do they mm-hmm. behave exactly the same? They grow berries, they grow yeah. flowers. Yeah, okay. pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Flowers in the spring, berries in the summertime, and then gorgeous fall color. It's like an orangish, reddish color, wow. like very deep, very thorough uh, during the fall. Great. But so again, during the, the summertime, as you asked, they make these little berries. Mm-hmm. They initially are a green color. And just like a poem, it is the stem tissue that is essentially the receptacle of the of the actual flower oh, right. that expands out and becomes fleshy and big and delicious. The uh, ovary, right? Uh, well, that's the thing. The ovary um, is what makes a fruit. That is the, the mature ovary is the, the fruit in every like technical yeah. thing that I've ever read. Yeah. But in this case, the flower, so you have the stem, then you have this bit on the end of the flower called the receptacle. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the thing that connects the flower to the stem, but it's still officially part of the flower. Okay. The receptacle in this case, um, and the stem tissue that's connecting it, that is what becomes big and fleshy. And the ovary kind of falls and like subtends into it, or it just like expands up and around it. Wow. Casey, I in my mind's eye, I can imagine a little flower yeah. that has like a little bu- a little bulge at its base. Yeah, there you go. That's the receptacle. Yes, exactly. And that's what turns in, that's where the fruit is harbored. Precisely. Like the womb. Yeah, exactly. So it's, wow. it's, it's okay. really weird. But yeah, you know you get the, the core of an apple? Uh-huh. That is the ovary and the official end of the flower. Everything that is on the outside of that apple yeah. is stem tissue. Wow. And botanically speaking, this is the same as an apple in terms of the 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 way the plant is creating this fruit. Okay. 
So it is. Uh, it starts green, which is you know totally makes sense. It's like this end of this this tissue that normally would have chlorophyll in it or something like wow. that. So it is uh, starts in green as sl- it slowly matures. It becomes this like really like kind of pomegranate red and pomegranate also i believe is a poem so it has that same kind of like effect where it has those sepals at the very end yes then i love that you get uh it it slowly changes from this like gorgeous kind of pomegranate red to this deep dark purple black color Mm. and that is when you know it's good is when you have those final colors all right yeah it is a delight and they're very beautiful like they're I don't know. I just like purples and blues and all these kinds of colors. Yeah. So it just, to me, is a a really gorgeous looking thing. Like you find a really good dark blueberry and you're like, yes, yeah. I need that. It's the same kind of thing. Or like a good, like when a good rat, when a good, uh, what are they called, Case? Like a blackberry. Yeah. When it's like, you see a few that have like tinges of red. Yeah, And you're right? like, oh, they're not quite ready. Right. And then you find one that's like a deep, deep black. Yeah. And it just tastes like pure sunshine. It's just sunshine and it's just perfect. Yeah. So that's what these are like. I haven't eaten them, like I said, because um, most of the time when I find them, um, either I, I'm not paying attention or I'm not looking to snack on a berry sure. um, or a poem and those guys. But then other times I see them on street trees and they get this one disease that's like a rust disease. So the berries kind of uh, look disoriented and out of shape oh, and no. they clearly have this fungus that grew on them. So it's just, it happens. Who really cares, you know, in terms of us planting a street tree? Not really that big of a deal. The plant is still fine. But it makes them very clearly and um, obviously unedible. Okay. Or at least it doesn't look palatable and delicious to me, so I avoid them. Casey, speaking of palatable and delicious, we have a friend named Amanda Spinoza. Mm -hmm. Amanda lives uh, in... Hey, she lives in um, uh, Serviceberry territory. Oh, yeah. Over there in the Northeast, uh, I guess this would be, uh, we didn't even bring this up. It grows in like uh, Canada from um, kind of everywhere in the east, in Ontario to the east, mm-hmm. and then down almost all the way to Georgia. Like, service berries grow all over the place over there. What Lots of range. different species. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, Amanda is on Instagram at witch.ofthe.wood. Uh-huh. Um, Amanda made a recipe for service berry crumble it looks so good Alex. it looks amazing uh, if you're listening to this on thursday when it comes out go to our instagram you can see the process video and the recipe there it's i believe it's vegan mm-hmm. um it looks incredible she picked a bunch of service berries last spring and froze them which is just such a such a clutch move yeah it is um so yeah, go go check out that video and that recipe, and go check out Amanda. She does some really cool stuff. She's like a for, she's one of these like forager chefs. Case yeah yeah yeah, which is just like a spectacular thing for someone to be able to do. Yeah, yeah. I I sort of I sort of uh in my in another life I I would like to be that. We can do that in this life, Alex. Yeah, I, I guess I'm just not that much of an outdoorsman, mm, you know. And yeah. I feel like to forage, you really got to get out there. Maybe yeah. not. I don't know. No, yeah, it just depends on it depends on where you do. You got to get out there, but it's like you know an hour, hour and a half drive, kind sure. of get out there. I can get out there. Yeah, you don't have to go. You know, hundred hundred 
miles. It's I don't just, need to go walking through the bush to find some uh, yeah, exactly. well, food. I don't know, Alex. You, you you drive out there, you hike in, then you walk into the bush. I see. So there's a little bit of, you, you're going to have to get your, your hands dirty, so to speak. I'll camp on the edge of the bush. You go into the bush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, I was going to say my biggest problem is that I'm not a big uh, like experimental cooker where I'm just like, I see the recipe. I will do that and move on. See, this is perfect, Casey. You forage. I'll cook. That sounds great. Okay, (laughs) perfect. So go check out Amanda, witch.ofthe.wood, and go check out that video on her Instagram and hers. And Casey. Yes, Alex. We'll be right back with more Service Berry Talk after this very short break. Hey, do us a favor and listen to the ads. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Today we're talking the service berry, the Canadian service berry. A.K.A. Shadbush, A.K.A. Sugar Plum, A.K.A. Thicket Service Berry, A.K.A. Shadblow, baby. <laughs> uh, and um, Casey. Yes, sir, Alex. So usually we have some sort of some sort of story to tell in the second half mm-hmm. of our episode. Mm-hmm. Yep. This week... We just want. Hey, you know what? Come come around, kids. Hey, get on. And I and I uh, I I uh, pop my collar uh-huh. and I sit like backward on the chair. Yeah. And I just say, let's let's have a let's have a jaw sesh. Let's just be cool about this. Yeah. Let's we don't just, have. Let's just chat. There's no structure. We don't need this right here. Yeah. And Stand I, on your desk. I take my I take my rule book and it yeah. says rule book on it. Yeah. And I go, you know what? I don't need this. And I toss it across the room yeah. but i toss it in a way where i'm like this is a gesture and i don't want to really like i don't want to yeah, yeah yeah it lands perfectly flat yeah and, like spins into a nice little protected alcove kind of a weak toss yeah <laughs> yeah um, yeah yeah this is this is the the dead poet society of <laughs> of completely arbitrary yes so today we're just going to chat about the service berry in a we very are, casual way it's going to be it's going to be interesting so i i i i when we started this i couldn't decide um, 100% what I wanted to talk about with this. Yeah. And um, I was reading through, and I, I came up with a lot of different things. Uh, and this this kind of thing, uh, if you ever go to the Missouri Botanical Garden dot hmm. com, um, they have this thing called the Plant Finder. It's completely useless, and I don't actually support their website. It's not a very good website. Wow. But... Um, if you just Google and you try to find some <clears throat> species of plant, that species uh, is at the Missouri Botanical Garden. They usually have a really good like fact sheet about it. Okay. So it's great if you find it uh, organically 
Although, don't don't try to go to their search at the top of their website and make it work. I hate it. You know, like, let me give you an example. This yeah. is a little bit of a sidebar. Historically, Google would offer a service where they would be the search engine for your website, like the search functionality. Yes. But anytime you did that, it essentially was a Google search page filled with links that are only for that website. I don't know if you've ever done this. Don't. Oh. It's it's just basically uh, a really awful way to do a search. It's like they don't have a search for their website where you just like search right it's here. It's just a Google search on their website. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> like it even takes yeah, you uh, elsewhere um, to like if you feel like you're on a different page. Yeah, that sucks. So, um, so I don't I don't support it. I think it's silly, and I am so happy that Google does not do that anymore. Mm. And if they do. Put it the way of Google Glass and just let it die. Oh man, I'm sorry. All right, okay. Anyway, so I so I'm looking through this and um, looking through the Missouri Botanic Garden. At the very bottom, they say problems and they just give you a list of like here are the diseases or things that you know go down with um, with these different species of plants. Okay. No serious insect or disease problems. There's that rust, the little leaf spot that I was telling you about um, that sometimes gets on the berries, and that's really just kind of it. They, they don't really do anything. So I was kind of like, okay, cool. Yeah, this is a great tree. Um, it is a tree that, like I said earlier also, is getting planted more and more in the cities. Yeah. It does well. It's one of our native species here, or we have a native species in um, Oregon. We call it the uh, Amelanchier alnifolia. Alnifolia. Yeah, it has alder-like leaves. And that one, you know, people are planting it because they're like, hey, this is a great little tree to plant, like I said, in situations where you need a little tree. You don't want a big, gigantic tree. Yeah. Makes sense. So people are planting it a little bit more. It has this problem, which is this one thing. But I've had, I have an issue that came up, and we're going to put a little asterisk on that. I'm going to talk about it in a second. Ooh, a pin. Casey's putting a pin in it. Yeah, a pin in the idea of this tree's got a problem. Okay. Then there is um, the idea that um, everyone seems to like the service berry. Like, people talk about it all the time. It's got 17 different names because everybody has, like, their own their own little thing sure. for it. Um, it has this lore, which you're going to tell us about in a second. Mm. And it also is a, um, a tree that has something to offer every single season of a year. This is a good point. It's something that a lot of uh, landscape designers really like to see. It's got these really attractive berries in the early summertime. Mm -hmm. It's got these beautiful flowers in the early spring. It turns this like stunning orange-yellow fall color in the fall. Right. It grows in pretty awful soils. Some of the species grow in like really rocky places, like exposed kind of sites, and they just kind of are tough little plants. Others will grow in uh, nice dark forests, and they'll be kind of edge trees that come out and kind of pop with their flowers, like what a dog would do, would do in our, our area. And they grow in bog areas where it's just hmm. very moist soil. There's nothing worth a dang there, and then they'll just be a service berry growing right there. Interesting. Like kicking it, doing great? Yeah, just kicking it, just doing great. So huh. I realized that of all the trees that we've covered— um, there is something that I can probably find that's like, yeah, but, you know, at the sure. end of each thing. 
And there's a bunch of people who love certain trees and hate other trees. And there's everything in between. Every time we give a poor rating, we always hear from people being like, what the hell? This tree is great. You know, why would you guys do that? Yeah. Um, Which is fine. We can take the heat. We believe in ourselves and and you just keep it coming, you guys. Uh, (laughs) But I don't think anyone doesn't like the service berry. Wow. It's not a tree that is going to be like, Oh my God, the service berry, it's my top favorite tree in the entire world. Right. It is, it's the, the, the middle of the road, everything like, oh, Joe Biden, oh, guy's such a lovable little guy, you know, before he was president, like no one really gave two shits about Joe Biden. Mm. No one really hated him. He was just Joe Biden just kind of sitting there. Right. I'm trying to think of like another, it's like, um, uh, it's like a, a, a Kia or something like <laughs> it's it's not a car that everyone hates. It's not a car oh that everyone loves. It's so not a funny. car that everyone loves to hate. But I it also know. has its super fans. Exactly. There there are some super fans, but those super fans also are like you know not extreme people. Right. So it just seems to me like this is the you know <laughs> it's just I don't know how to describe it. It's the average of everything. Sure. It's just flying under the radar. It doesn't have radar. anything super super. Uh, unique in a good or bad way yeah yeah yeah, i think so that's that's i think is my opinion of this tree interesting and that i think ultimately became the main point of focus for our talk and discussion right now yes is that i i i can think of one thing and i can tell you what people have said about it that's that pin yes let's go back to the pin yeah for the most part um everyone like especially in the urban forestry kind of arboriculture area mm-hmm. everyone's got an opinion about everything we've literally built an entire podcast on kind of that premise damn straight certainly coming from my end and this tree like i remember someone was talking about planting it and some colleague of mine was like well yeah but it gets that rust all over the berries mm. like it's awful it looks so bad and i was like who cares? Like, no one, we're not going to go eat these berries. If birds want to eat them, they totally can. They're really tiny. Like, they're about the size of a, like, wild blueberry. Like, uh-huh. they're not big and gigantic. They don't, like, create huge messes. They grow in these, you know, awful places we plant them. And they're just doing fine. Mm. They're not extraordinary. They're not awful. But they're just doing fine. So my pin is like, you know what? You can find something wrong with every single tree. You go outside, someone is going to be that naysayer who's like, nope, nope, it's got this thing. Yeah. Not a good tree because this, nah, it's got that. I think that that is stupid. I'm okay with it, but I think... Just, Finding something wrong in every tree. Yeah, just, yeah. just that one thing. Another one, um, another colleague noted a... We were trying to... Someone was giving a presentation saying we should plant all these evergreen um, oaks or oak-like plants or just Mm. evergreen kind of southern um, Californian and southwestern species of trees up in the Pacific Northwest because Mm -hmm. we're slowly becoming more and more of that climate, especially down here in the valley where Portland is. So we should plant these other trees, right, that are already going to be doing very well in the potential future climate of our area. Right. And then everyone was like, well, but that tree carries this disease. Oh, but that tree has this disease. And like naming all these little nitpicky things. I see. And I'm like, we're missing the bigger problem. There is this gigantic climate change issue that's like bearing down on us. Mm-hmm. If we're trying to solve it and change, you know, plant trees you're never going to find a perfect tree that's going to be able to be planted in this uh, this artificial system that we've created, <laughs> the planter strips. Yeah. So I'm just like, 
okay, great. It's got that problem. Shut up. We don't care anymore. Yeah. Also, everything is a spectrum. Like, yeah, everything has a problem. Yeah. Maybe on one end is the tree of heaven where it's like, okay, yeah, that tree causes a lot of problems. Yeah. Let's avoid that tree. Right. Uh, On the other end of that spectrum is a tree that is like super native, does really well, but is like a giant sequoia or something. So we can't plant it in these places because it'll do really well and accomplish all of our objectives but it will also destroy the infrastructure that we've artificially said it must be within. You know, hey, this- let's, let's do it, Casey. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. That would be so good. Let's, okay, here's, here's what we do. We get, we dress in all black with ski masks. All right, yeah. We go out in the middle of the night. Okay. And we have some young, hip YouTuber film us. Oh, yeah. For yeah. clout. Obviously. We, for clout. And we have a van full of giant sequoia saplings. Okay. Okay. And we do a real quick. I'll dig. You plant. Yeah. Actually, no. You dig. Okay. You have a, you have a. I have a bad back. <laughs> <laughs> you really quickly dig a hole, plant it up, put a little water on it, kiss it goodnight, and move on to the next one. Yeah. We do this all over the city. Sounds Casey. amazing. Gorilla tree planting. Yes. By the time anyone even realizes, it'll be too late. Yeah. And they'll be seven hundred feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> No one's gonna gonna see that for another. Like, wow, it's been two thousand years. Where did this thing come from? It's gigantic. That's where my plan falls apart. But yeah, I okay. think the first half is like kind of a good idea. I think we can do it. There's someone sent us a video of this guy from. Uh, he seemed like he was from Boston or New York or something, but uh-huh. he was living in Oakland, and he was basically just p- doing guerrilla planting uh, in a park area. Very cool. And it was hilarious because the guy's like, yeah, the city, you know, they kind of ran out of money. They kind of let these trees die, but they kind of planted stupid trees here, you know? Like, <laughs> what's this dogwood doing here? It's just fucking stupid dogwood. And then it was like named all these other cool trees that he had planted over the last several years that were doing really well. Wow. It was hilarious. It was really great, yeah. Good for him. Yeah, someone said we should make him, uh, get him on the, uh, on the podcast so we'll reach out we'll see if we can find them <laughs> yeah somebody help us make that connection yeah but uh yeah i sounds like a great idea dude yeah yeah and especially with the city of portland it has rules where if a tree is planted it's now a regulated tree <gasps> so then if you cut it down you have to replant a new tree wow yeah. but they also say you have to get a permit for it but if a tree happens to be there and you didn't get a permit for it they're they basically say don't do that again this is great because the, you know like you know in the movies when yeah. the investigator is like, I got to think like the killer. I need somebody who thinks like a killer. And they go to the prison and they find a they find a, a killer. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And they're like, I need your... Well, this Flips is just Silence script. of the Limbs now. Yeah. Uh, I need your help in thinking like this killer. This is me coming to you. You used to be on the inside. Yeah. You used to be a city a city man. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm and like, here's what you got to do. Yes. You help good. me. You help me bend the rules. Yeah. And, they're never yeah. going to hire me ever again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if this podcast... Uh, so for some reason goes away you might you might need that connection yeah we'll just delete this episode and be like yeah no 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 rules are rules <laughs> totally get it I completely I, I think that's a great idea Alex because um, there's so many things and uh situations where everyone like they need the perfect tree Mm -hmm. and i get the right tree for the right place that just makes total sense there's no reason to plant a douglas fir underneath 30 foot high voltage power lines right it's just completely stupid but if there is 
a tree that has like a bunch of benefits and then like has this other thing that's that's you know eh, it doesn't look that good or oh it doesn't do very well or something like that we should just do it anyway because what's the alternative sticking with the status quo right like right now um the biggest thing that is like on my mind with urban tree planting is for the last 200 years all right i'll go 100 years we have been planting trees that are familiar to us that are from the east coast that are from europe um most of the trees that you could see in the streets right now are not native trees Mm. for good reason though i will i will take this quick side note most of our native trees are goddamn gigantic over here so you can't plant them everywhere. Most of the big trees that we still plant from the East Coast are also too big to be planted here now because we have made the size of the planter strips too small. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is just street trees. We'll just couch it in that for the time being. Um, but then all these other little trees like the Amelanchier, someone would say, oh, well, it, it has this, this thing where it just doesn't look that good. We want a tree that's going to look good and do very well this whole time. And I'm kind of like, but we've planted these trees that don't do well here and our conditions are already getting worse and worse and worse and worse. So we should plant trees that even if they do have this like little thing that goes wrong with them, we should still say, yep, you know what? It's good enough. Let's just push it through and let it happen because otherwise we're, we're just not really accomplishing anything. And if everyone wants those gorgeous, beautiful flowers for that one season, then great. You got those gorgeous, beautiful flowers, but the tree itself will continue to live and survive and just be okay. Mm. It may not be perfect, but it's, the service berry it doesn't need to be perfect it is just that middle of the road you know it's good enough it's the not the most expensive thing on the menu it's not the cheapest thing on the menu but it's just it's right there in the middle it's the french fries you know casey i think it's a perfect time now that i'm hungry yeah mm-hmm. to get in our review of the service berry we're gonna give some final parting words on this most middle of roads yep and then give it a rating of 0 to 10 Golden Cones of Honor. Casey, as our resident forage chef, we will begin with you. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, Alex. All right, so the service berry, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a tree that um, kind of unexpectedly got on the docket. We're like, well, we got to do the service berry. This sounds great. Yeah. We're reaching out to do this collaboration, and at the same time, it's just not a tree that always constantly comes onto my, you know, my thoughts. Yeah. And it doesn't come into my thoughts often because it is just a kind of normy tree. It just kind of mm. grows. It's an understory tree. It'll grow in the shade. It'll do this. It's just always in the shadows. It's always just kind of right over there, but never always right here, you know? What yeah. I mean? So when we would want to do it, I was like, well, well, of course we should do it. Like, there's no reason we should not do this tree. Uh, because of all these of all these reasons, just because it's, you know, we got to do every single tree, so we can't just skip over one because it's kind of a, you know, Joe Schmo tree. Sure. I mean, that itself is something special. Exactly. And I think that's what I'm finding here. So I'm going to give the service berry, and this is going to sound horrible, I'm going to give it a straight 5.0. That's amazing. Because it is right in the middle. It is, it's, it's not bad, it's not good, it's not flashy, it's not an asshole, it's not a, a saint. It's, mm-hmm. just, it's just a tree that just kind of does its thing, and then will give you something every single, every single time you want it, yeah. but also will never take the center stage. It's not the tree that's going to be like, put me here, I'm a stewardia. It's like, no, <clears throat> I'm just right here. If you need me, let me know. If you don't, it's cool. 
This ain't no white tree of Gondor. This ain't no white tree of Gondor. This is know. growing down in the in the in the business district. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's in the business district, and it always the sweeps the sidewalk in front of its house. <laughs> always. Yeah. That's that's what I that's what I think about this. Whenever you knock on the door, they always buys the chocolate. Yeah. But it's also never putting up a political sign, you know, in its in its thing, and it's never coming out and yelling at someone for parking in front of their their spot, mm-hmm. you know. And if uh, it just does it, it just lives and it cruises, and it never it never appears to me to to cause any uh, uh, any waves. That's great, case. There you go. Five point oh. Five point oh. Golden cones of yes, honor for the Canadian service berry. The allness or the uh, the native species this is going to be five point five. Hey, oh god! <laughs> hey, for the Canadian service berry, should we give it like uh, golden drops of uh, maple syrup or something? Oh no, golden no, no, drops no. of syrup. Yeah, I, I don't think so. We don't want to have fun with that. I mean, we can have fun with that, but I guess I I just always like to think of. Uh, you know, a borderless situation, you know? Oh, sure. Yeah, it's of Canada, but it grows everywhere. Destroy all borders. Yeah, exactly. Okay, 5.0. Not a, not a, I understand that, though. Okay. I, I kind of I kind of laughed when you said 5.0 because I am feeling the same thing, Casey. No way, Alex. I, if we love giving metaphorical scores. We do. You know, um, I think for such a middle of the road tree, although, you know, I'm going to give it the middle of the road of the upper half of the scale. Oh, so I'm going to go. I see. I think I'm going to go 7.5. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's Is that good. the right math? Yeah, I think so. That's halfway mm-hmm. between five and 10. That's correct. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to give it 7.5 and it's a very well earned 7.5, but it's not glamorously. It's, it's not, um, it's not bestowed in any sort of ritualistic or, or fun way. Yeah. Right. I, I just hand it to it with my hand. It takes it says thank you, and I say thank you for your service. Yeah. And it goes along its merry way. Exactly, yeah. I, I think that's a perfect... That that sounds great. And now I want to make some service berry crumble. Oh, my God. I watched that video. It's It looks delicious. She ended with... And I admit, I put some... I melted some extra butter and drizzled on the top and broiled it, and I was like, now we're talking. Yes. <laughs> that sounds so fucking yeah. good. And it is vegan, but I was uh, the only thing I was thinking there is I would be using salted butter because there's no way that I would not oh. use salted butter for that. Well, she may have. No, I think it was all vegan. I think it was vegan Oh, butter. there's no butter. That's yeah, why. Okay, exactly. I so, see. Anyway. Um, butter comes from an animal, Casey? I, we don't even need to get into this right now, Alex. <laughs> we forgot to mention the f- the origin of this folk taxonomical name oh yeah yeah let me okay good good point let's rewind let's go back let's act like we never gave a final say on what we think about this tree alex Uh uh-huh begin to my understanding a reason that it's called service berry Mm -hmm. is that during the american revolutionary war okay (laughs) maybe earlier I don't know where you're going right now. Really? I think you told me this. I might have, and I realized <laughs> I was wrong. But I, I certainly didn't start with that. This is fake news. Yeah, this is super fake news. Uh, that it was... Uh, wait, maybe now I'm turned around. It wasn't Basically, a- the, 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 the ground was frozen. Yeah. Oh, 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 I got it, Casey. I got it, I okay. got it, I got it. I was thinking of the wrong kind of service. I was thinking of military service. Gotcha. <laughs> They would plant a tree every time one of our boys went off. <laughs> to the great unknown. Uh, Casey, it's because grave diggers, I think they have a, probably a proper name, mm-hmm. um, 
knew that the ground was soft enough to build, to dig a grave when the service berries grew yeah because it was late spring uh-huh. and that the, the the frost had melted yes so so you could have a, a memorial right. service yes and therefore it was the service berry yes it turns out there's also another alternative I to can't that. wait to hear it uh, that there are itinerant preachers that would travel around and give church services but in uh, the the hollers and coves of the Appalachian Mountains, they couldn't get into them because they were too uh, wet or muddy or snowy. Sure. So they'd have to wait until the, the spring came. When the service berries bloomed, they would be blooming when they came to give their services. Three different kinds of services. Yes. And? We're only talking about two, though. Well, church service. Yeah. Memorial service. Yeah. And military service. Yeah, but the military service, I don't know where that came from. That was a gaffe. Ah, yes, I see. There you go. <laughs> now, so here's the, here's the problem. I, I looked further into that. Oh, no. It turns out that, uh, as we noted at the very beginning of this episode, uh-huh. Alex, um, unfortunately, that name, Serviceberry, yeah. comes from Sorbus, because someone said it looks like the Sorbus, which is the tree, the Latin term of that tree that we talked about, the Rowan, the White Beam, right. uh, all those, in the genus, Sorbus. So, the... I think they found that this term already existed and was in common use in the 1500s, which is before there were the colonists that actually would have been in the haulers and coves of Appalachia or even anywhere in the northeastern United States I see. looking to bury someone in the wintertime. So the name actually comes from Sorbus, which is that other tree that has the fruit that looks very similar, and it's not from service. So those are... Um, afterthoughts where someone said, why do you call the service bearer? And then someone said, well, when these people give services, that's when this bit this three. And so it all comes together and it works out just fine. Yeah. But it is fake news though. It is we, totally fake news. Yeah. yeah we're going to yeah. get flagged by Apple podcast. Yeah. Snopes is going to be like, not this one. Uh, Casey, it is time for our completely arbitrary Q and a, let's do a Q and a Alex Casey this week. Our question comes from Malcolm Samard. Do you think there's any relation to Suzanne? Honestly, yes, I do. Somewhere deep down, that's that's a very that's a very exciting there. notion. Yeah, it's got to be. Uh, hi, Casey and Alex. I was listening to your episode on the tree of heaven and was wondering if an invasive okay. tree could be part of succession. Oh, for example, could a field of common hawthorns okay. semi in parentheses, semi-invasive where I am, the Van- Vancouver Island, Casey. Yep, yep. Where you just came back from. Could a field of common hawthorns eventually be succeeded by native trees and eventually shaded out? Or will it remain a field of common hawthorn for eternity? This Thank you. Is very good. And hope you two enjoyed your summer. Thanks, Malcolm. We did. Yeah. Uh, we also hope you enjoyed your summer. Casey, well, what do you think? I don't. I, I'll be honest. I don't really totally understand the question. I I understand the pieces involved. I know what succession is. Sure. I know what invasive means, but I guess I don't understand the technicalities here. Gotcha. Well, let's go through this real fast. So, uh, give us a quick rundown of what succession is. Succession is. Uh, An Emmy award-winning show. On <laughs> HBO. It's Alex a great Lawrence. show. Of which I'm waiting patiently for the next season. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, it's one. I don't think I've ever tried to do it out loud, but I'll try, Casey. Okay. Um, succession means the order in which trees repopulate 
uh, an area that has been clear cut. Yes, that's perfect. I think more broadly, a disturbance of any sort. Yeah, maybe a fire or yeah. a flood. Exactly. Uh, landslide. Anything that kind of wipes the slate clean, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's exactly. And I would also broaden it to say it's the, the, the sort of plants that do it. It doesn't necessarily need to be trees. Oh, sure. But of course, if we're talking about forestry, then we end up talking about trees mostly. Yeah. So yeah, that's exactly right. And then, um, so an invasive species, that's just one that is uh, grows and naturalizes itself in uh, a place that is not its native habitat, mm-hmm. right? So in this case... Um, Generally speaking, native or non-native invasive plants, which to be very clear, there's a distinction. There can be non-native, non-invasive plants. So a non-native invasive plant like the English hawthorn in the Great Pacific Northwest mm-hmm. um, will seed itself in in disturbed areas. Generally, you're not going to find it in an intact forest anywhere. Like it just doesn't grow there. It either can't get itself established or there's not a seed close by. It's near where there's people, where there's, you know, horticultural trees planted, that kind of thing. So if you have a whole group of these trees that grows in a disturbed area and they take over, maybe let's say it's a field that used to grow hay, no one's done anything with it for a couple of years and now it starts to grow all these little hawthorn plants. Mm. Then the question that Malcolm's asking is would you count that as a part of succession or would that be just like taken out and be doing, is it just going to stay this Hawthorne field for the rest of its entire existence? And I think the answer is everything is a part of succession. Yeah. Um, so if you are planting uh, a the native Hawthorne and then slowly but surely maple trees grow, then oak trees, then Douglas fir, then ponderosa pine, and you get this, you know, full um, old growth forest over 500 years, you're probably going to see a few hawthorns that have kind of ecked out in existence and are kind of just kind of living on the fringes. But you would certainly see that everything in the middle would slowly transform into the later successional um, habitats, the later successional areas. You'd have um, the intense shade of a bunch of Douglas firs shade out all the things underneath as those slowly die, and then new light kind of pops through. New trees will start to grow up in that area. You'll develop the um, complex understory and mid-stories and all these things. So whatever starts generally does not stay around for maybe more than 100 years or so. Unless Hmm. it's a Douglas fir, they're kind of one of the weird exceptions to that rule. Were there an early successional tree and a late successional tree? Okay, so when we talking when we're talking early successional, yeah. it's like the trees that that outcompete in the beginning. Um, yes, right? yeah, yeah, they they rush in and colonize that area. Right, late successional is the long the long players, the yeah. the trees that end up in the like in the. Uh, end up kind of winning out in the end. Yeah, they grow really slowly. They just kind of go bloop, 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 bloop. And then like a European beach or an American beach, they just, over time, grow in the shade of other things and wait for those other things to either die or wait for themselves to find an opening and then shoot up and take over. Got it. Yeah. So in this case, um, the hawthorns would just be now considered um, the an invasive species that has moved in and colonized a disturbed area. And if the rest of the natural system is kind of intact and these other trees start to come in, then over time, theoretically, 
the succession process will continue marching forward the same as it would with anything else as long as the seeds and everything else are growing there. Yeah. So it could be that the there's no other seeds or the trees are so far away that it's going to take another 100 years for the Douglas fir to actually move in from maybe surrounding areas. Um, it could happen immediately. Who knows? Cool. So I would say yes. The biggest thing would be if it's a disturbed area and there it's just no longer a part of a natural system. In that case, the succession is is not the same as that natural system. So in the in a city, you know, a vacant lot next door, you know, downtown, that will not be part of succession until succession is brought in and marches in from the wilds and mm. takes over the city again. Okay. There's just too many invasive species to where there's no native processes really happening anymore. Got it. So there you go. It's a great question. It's a really well said. good question. Thank you so much, Malcolm, for your question. If you have a question about trees, email us at arbitrarypod at gmail.com. That's A-R-B-O-R-T-R-A-R-Y pod at gmail.com. Join us on Patreon if you wish to support this podcast. Right. Of course, we're always happy to have you listen, but if you want to give that little extra, patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. You can join the Arboretum, get two bonus episodes a month, or the Cone of the Month Club, get a unique die-cut cone sticker illustrated by an independent artist of great talent every single month. It's a lot of fun. And lots of Patreon news coming very soon, Casey. Yes, we do. Uh, When I say soon, because it's easy to say soon, and you mean like six months. Yeah. When I say soon, I am am meaning uh, two weeks. Yeah. We're going to have a big big old announcement. It's going to be very exciting. Have, yeah, you and I have a lot it. of work to do. <laughs> yeah, we sure do. We uh, get started. Casey Clapp. Alex, before we leave, I have yes. one I have one question. Hit me. Well, I just typed in what I think uh, the answer to this question is, but what are we going to name this tree? I know we're calling it the service berry, but you know what? Why don't we elevate it? We can call it the billberry. We can call it the chuckleberry. We can call it the sugar plum. We can call it the shad bush, the shad blow. You mean in the episode title? Yeah. What are we going to call this? Oh, God. I know. I, I think, well, I have a take. Billberry. <laughs> Obviously. It's with one L, which is even better. <laughs> Billberry. Yeah. <laughs> I personally am going to, am, am, am voting service berry. Ugh. Middle of the road, just like a service berry. Hey, what's more fitting? Well, you know what? I'm going to write shad blow because. I have the power to type right now. <laughs> Let's confuse people and use like 12 different names across all of our <laughs> platforms. The name of this episode is just going to be AKA. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Completely Arbitrary. We will see you next time. Goodbye. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening. 